Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. This is your money. Good morning. Asia Pacific markets are trading lower this morning following about a big selling on Wall Street on Friday. Investors also have their eyes on regional inflation and growth numbers that are due out this week. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, a refresh, Ryan Huang. How was the weekend? Oh, it's awesome, Michelle. I had a bit of a trip to the museum for the children's finale. Oh. Um, so it's very interesting because my kid was more immersed in the installations, much more so than me, which made me question myself, <laughs> am I you know, missing out on the way I look at things? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Was it sort of a light and sound installation? It or? was a lot of structures. So it was just a basic set of sticks built into a bit of a house, but she spent like half an hour in that steakhouse, whereas I was just seeing it as a steakhouse. You know? Yeah, oh, the wonder of children, yeah. right? How was your weekend, Michelle? My weekend was spent doing tons and tons of writing, Ryan. That's what you love. Uh, <laughs> imaginative writing, yeah, but not so much academic writing. Anyway, bulk of the work is behind me, so I'm feeling really good Congratulations. about Congratulations. Thank you. Let's start this morning in the world of institutional buying and director deals. Avid listeners and those with good memories, you'll recall last week we talked about companies that have links to the property sector like Wing Tai Holdings. Wing Tai Chairman Cheong Wai Kyung, by the way, continued to build up his stake in the company this past week. He purchased another million shares in his wife's name. During this period, Wing Tai share prices bucked the market trend, rising about 0.7%. Wing Tai shares are up about 3% over the past month. If we take a look at other companies whose directors are buying their own stocks, we have a diverse batch that includes a luxury watch company, an Indonesian coal producer, an asset manager, and advisory company with a focus on ASEAN, a cocoa producer, a cable TV operator, and an investment group that focuses on hospitality and travel and education. A luxury watch company, blah, it go, the list goes on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you take a look at this week's batch of direct deals, Ryan, a couple that stand out for you, maybe the top two. Yeah, a bit of a shopping spree going on. You've got insiders buying stocks, uh, a sign that they see value in their own companies. Uh, one of them that stands out is Zico Holdings. I like it when the CEO himself buys stock in his own company. And here is CEO Ng Hot Heng buying up 3 million shares at 6 cents per piece. So this is bringing his direct interest in the catalyst-listed stock from 1.8% to 2.59%. So some good news if your CEO is buying, you know, the stock in, uh, buying a stock in the company that you own. It is a sign of, uh, I guess, a vote of confidence. And also another insider that could be worth watching is uh, what's playing out for Asian Pay Television Trust. Mm-hmm. Here's where we've got Lu Fang Ming a non-executive director and vice chair of the trustee manager of APTV Trust. Uh, he bought over 369,000 units of the business trust. So this brings his total interest from 1.1% to 1.12%. So he is uh, he is also corporate executive vice president of Honghai Foxconn Technology Group. So he is someone who is able to... I guess, bring about some synergies between the two groups uh, in time to come. So Asian Paid TV Holdings and Zico 
holdings are your picks. If we take a look at the direct deals in focus in this past week, there are six stocks and of these four have suffered double-digit losses over the past year. The worst performing is the Indonesian coal producer, Geo Energy. It's down 22% over the past 12 months. But if you bought it in just, say, a month ago, you'd be looking at a 33% gain. The three other companies with double-digit losses have not bounced back recently and they are Asian Pay Television Trust, the luxury watch seller Cortina Holdings and the ASEAN-focused advisory company Zico Holdings. Let's turn now from direct-to-deals to institutional buying. So which companies top the list of those buying back their own shares there? Yeah, Looking at the table, right at the top of that list is Capitaland Investment. So here is where they've got um, a buyback consideration of over 4.8 million Sing dollars. That's 1.6 million plus plus shares um, being purchased. And then we've got Venture Corp. And then it's followed by Yang Jijang Financial Holding, Food Empire Holdings, and OUE. All right. A couple of reminders for listeners. Uh, one, when we see a director buying stock back in their own company, it's usually a sign that they think their stock offers good values at the current levels. And two, when companies buy their own stocks, it often pushes up the share price. We have a pretty diverse list this week of companies and directors buying back their shares. When you look at it, whose lead do you think you'd follow? Yeah, I am inclined to go with what the CEO does. So typically, this is good news if the CEO himself is putting his own skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And I would be leaning towards, in this case, Zico Holdings as a compelling case to look at more closely. Zico CEO Ng Hot Keng was buying out 3 million shares at 6 cents a piece. So a good vote of confidence coming through for Zico Holdings and look at where Zico Holdings stock price has been going in the past um, year or so. We have it right now. Uh, I'll have to get back to you because right now my no computer's frozen on the stock price. No problem. So Ryan taking heart from CEO Ng Hock's Heng's uh, buybacks in Zico Holdings, acquiring 3 million shares he has as on October 18th at $0.06 cents a share. It is worth pointing out that in the past week, it was pretty bearish for Singapore stocks. Not a single blue chip gained ground. More about that in just a while. But I want to turn to U.S. stocks. They suffered a sell-off last week. In fact, the Dow Jones Industrial Average booked its worst week in a month, dropping 1.6%. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq performed even worse, dropping more than 2 and 3% respectively. With Halloween approaching, some people might say it's absolutely frightful. So what's behind the negative sentiment? Yeah, trick or treat as we <laughs> see the last week of October roll out and unfold. So a couple of things I think will be on the minds of investors is what's playing out for bond yields. And the scary part about it is that it's approaching 5%. In fact, it did go above 5% last week um, and then started to retrace back to where it is now at 4.92% for the 10-year bonds. So that 5% level closely watched because it is where people will start to make decisions. Do I buy stocks or do I buy bonds? Because if your bonds are offering such a return, you'll be inclined to think, hey, with the risk-to-reward ratio, that makes more sense to park my money in bonds for that return um, versus stocks for that nearly same amount. So you have that 
pressure on stocks uh, potentially to weigh on stock prices to come. And of course, what's playing out in the Middle East could add another factor of caution, mm -hmm. which would uh, lend more support to investors flocking to safe haven assets. And bonds is one place as well. So the problem that people will be watching out for as well is if it goes up too fast and then you have um, a bit of a shock to markets as well. So that's the other dynamic um, that is going to be closely watched uh, this week. Indeed. The rise in oil prices threatening to add more upward pressure. Crude prices remain volatile amidst worries about war in the Middle East. The VIX volatility index, which is often referred to as Wall Street's fear gauge, has jumped to its highest level since March. What do you think it's going to take for investors to break out of the funk this week? Yeah, a couple of things potentially could turn things around. Uh, one, of course, is the data coming out this week. We have the third quarter GDP data for the US and also later, uh, later on in the week, we've got the uh, inflation numbers out from the US as well. So those could be good news for investors if they don't come in too um, hot. And then if you have the numbers from companies coming in um, not too shabby. That could be a bit of support for share prices as well. So it's a whole slew of companies this week and a big focus on the big technology names. Indeed. So a particularly big week for earnings. Nearly one out of every three S&P 500 companies are scheduled to open their books this week. One out of every three. The market's attention is going to be shifting from banks to big tech because Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta and Amazon are on deck what are you going to be looking out from the big tech results? Yeah, big tech always quite exciting because there are so many angles to how their business is run. Uh, the obvious one, of course, is AI. If there's going to be continued talk around how it's going to be monetized, what's the future plans for that products being incorporated into their um, own offerings. So always interesting to see or hear what the mood is around AI. And to some extent, that can have an impact on the demand for devices, the outlook for it at least, and especially so for the likes of the chip makers. And the other element to it is how it can paint a picture of consumer spending, or at least corporate spending. Are corporates feeling um, bullish enough about the economy to spend, things, spend on things like advertising, um, on ads? And this is going to be important for the likes of Meta, Snap, Google Parent, Alphabet as well. Mm -hmm. So it does paint a bit of a picture of what the US economy spending sentiment is like, at least the expectations of where it's going. So that's another factor. Um, and so far, there's been a lot of um, talk about how businesses have been a bit more conservative, a bit more worried about spending. So that could be reflected in this round of earnings. Great overview. Also in the week ahead, two of America's biggest automakers, they are General Motors and Ford Motor. Well, they're scheduled to report earnings. Both companies find themselves in a little bit of a tight spot, definitely uh, trickier than normal. Why so? Yeah, it is a bit of a tight rope for them to walk and they almost have to do a bit of a balancing act. So if you've been following the headlines around the auto industry, they've been facing a lot of challenges, especially coming from the workers' union where they've been going on strike and potentially dragging out even further. And the complaint from, from that bunch of um, union workers is, hey, you guys haven't been paying us fairly enough. We need more. 
compensation. We need more better conditions. So if the uh, results come in better than expected, showing that Ford Motor or General Motors is doing very well and earnings are pretty good, then it adds more fuel to what these union workers are demanding for. That, hey, these auto industry big players are in a pretty good spot to pay even more. So why aren't they doing so? So it does prolong potentially their ongoing strike. And then on the flip side, if they don't do well, then investors are likely to punish the likes of GM or Ford Motor. Hey, that you know, your business is not looking too good and down the road is not looking any better. So maybe I'll just sell the shares and do something else. So it is facing a bit of a push and pull here. In a tight bind, damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of scenario. Shares of Ford Motor already discounted. They're down 16% over the past three months. GM stock has done even worse. It is in bear market territory, down 23% during that same period. And with the auto workers strike entering its second month, it may take some time before their shares recover. Time for corporate news. We do it up or down south so you can play along at home as well. We're going to start with a commodity. It's critical to the manufacture of EV batteries. And I am talking about graphite. Which way is it moving? Yeah, it is. Well, it depends on which side of the fence you are. It is going to be down for most folks because they rely a lot of um, the supply coming from China. And China is stepping up the restrictions around graphite exports. So this is on that familiar premise, national security. So they are controlling these um, supplies of critical minerals. Mm. Um, So if you are in the business of making batteries, then it is potentially going to be harder to come by or maybe even more expensive for you to get hold of these uh, graphite supplies to make the things you need for things like electric vehicle batteries and many more things in the industrial space. So down for most folks who might need graphite. Export curbs from China, meaning I expect graphite prices will go up as China has decided to impose uh, these exports commodities and everything graphite. I didn't know it was also in aerospace and chemical and steel industries in addition to making, being critical for the manufacture of EV batteries. It is a fresh shot what China's doing, these export curbs at the US in the global tech wars. China is the world's biggest producer of graphite. It refines the vast majority of all graphite used in EV batteries. So that is an up for graphite, clearly but a down for global EV makers. Next up, let's take a look at PC demand. Yeah, it is an up for me, if you believe the likes of Acer. And this is from its CEO saying that they have seen the bottoming out of the demand slump. And if you look at the third quarter for Acer, its notebook revenue is up 19.4% compared to the previous quarter, while its desktop revenue is up. 27.8% in the same period. So it is looking a bit more optimistic based on his latest numbers and thinking, hey, the worst may be over for the PC slump. Well, Acer is the fifth largest player in the PC market and uh, Acer CEO Jason Chen here thinking PC sales have already bottomed out, now on the rebound. Uh, good numbers there for Acer's notebook revenue, nearly 20% up in the last quarter. So definitely an up for me as well for both Acer and PC sales. All right, Amex, American Express. All right, American Express is going to be 
and up for me because they have beaten the expectations. And there were some question marks whether uh, before the numbers came out, whether we would see you know people a bit more cautious about spending. Mm-hmm. That did not seem to be the case. So more resilient spending from its wealthy customers, shaking off any worries about a downturn, helped Amex to beat expectations. So good news for Amex as it manages to well, capitalize on his more affluent cutholder base. Yeah, I just want to add to that. So Amex users are spending. American Express is reporting a profit of nearly $2.5 billion US dollars for the last quarter, better than expected. It is also Amex's sixth consecutive quarter of posting record profits. So definitely an up for the credit card company. And in case you're wondering what are Amex consumers spending on, travel and leisure is leading the way. Next, let's look at Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing. That's the company that runs Hong Kong's stock market. All right. I am going with up for the Hong Kong stock market. So this is with its third quarter profit rising 30%. And it does look like a huge part of it is coming through from gains um, from its investment funds. Mm -hmm. And this is worth noting. We've been talking about how Hong Kong has been going through some headwinds uh, in recent months. Um, but it does look like its funds have managed to offset some of the trading um, in the wider market, which has been under some pressure due to the weaker macro sentiment. So its own funds seem to be doing pretty okay. It's in good shape. Hong Kong stocks may not be performing that great, but Hong Kong stock exchange operator had a banner third quarter. Hong Kong exchanges and clearing reporting that 30% jump in third quarter profits. Income from its corporate funds are responsible for the large jump. So definitely an up for HK exchanges and clearing. Gosh, I haven't seen this. I haven't used this in a while. Dropbox. Yeah, this was a go-to for quite some time when we needed space to park our photos or you know, work files. Well, Dropbox is going to be a down for me because it is downsizing. It's giving back some space to its landlord. Um, this, as we see the commercial real estate sector in the US continue to soften. So Dropbox among those thinking we don't need that much space. So here, you can have it back. And then, of course, they can pay less rent. Oh boy. Dropbox is opting for smaller headquarters. So the move to reduce its office space, about uh, a quarter of its office space it's returning, 165,000 square feet going back to its San Francisco landlord. This should cut costs. It's an up for Dropbox. It's a down for commercial landlords. On that note, what do you think of Suntech REIT? Mm, Suntech REIT is going to be a down for me because mm. his DPU is down by 14% and this is at uh, distribution per unit of 1.793 cents. So it is seeing income from operations distributable at least down 14.8% and it is that familiar tune of higher financing costs plus the weaker Australian dollar against the Sing dollar. So those were among the key factors weighing on Suntech REIT. Indeed, high financing costs and that weak Aussie dollar also taking a bite out of Suntech REIT's bottom line. As a result, investors are going to receive lower payouts. Suntech REIT's distribution per unit down 14% to a little less than 1.8 cents per share. All right, time to... 
take a check on local markets. The Straits Times Index fell three quarters of a percent on Friday to cap off pretty bearish week, where it dropped nearly three and a half percent to finish at thirty seventy six. Not a single blue chip finished the week in positive territory. However, not every blue chip was in the red either. Think about that for a moment. Yeah, one stock finished the week unchanged, and that is whiskey maker Emperado, which ended Friday night where it started in the week at 50.5 cents a share. And like I said, every other SDI component finished the week in negative territory. In fact, the worst performer was Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding. That fell more than 12%. Jardine Cycling Carriage, Sea Trim, Singapore Airlines, Jardine Matheson, Capitaland, Ascendus Reed and UOL Group all fell 7% or more. For our last word today, we go to the box office where Martin Scorsese has a new film out. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon. And it is Scorsese's biggest box office opening in more than a decade. The film that stars Leonardo DiCaprio is set in the 1920s on an Indian reservation in the U.S. state of Oklahoma. The New York Times describes it as a romance. It's a whodunit, a lesson in history as well of the bloody history of Native American murders. Killers grow some. Wait for it. 44 million US dollars in its opening weekend, despite the fact that its cast is barred from promoting the film because of those actor guild strikes. So, Mm. are you a Scorsese fan? Yeah, pretty much everything he does these days will get a good um, showing at the cinemas. And not just Scorsese, um, the movie has a list of who's who's. And you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, okay. Robert De Niro. Mm. So those are reasons enough just to catch the movie. And this also worth noting is the biggest production from Apple Studio. So ah. it is going to be a lot riding on this movie for Apple. And maybe if it does do very well, then maybe more Apple productions could be you know, coming forth. I'm a huge fan of De Niro, but listen, it's a three and a half hour long movie. This seems to be the trend these days. Long <laughs> movies, I'm not sure why, but it does seem like the directors maybe might have more say these days. Like They want to pack in more and just immerse the viewer in a longer storyline. Wow. Like, there used to be the case where they were split into two parts or even multiple parts. Ah, yeah, you're right. Just wait for part the one, sequel or the prequel. Two. Well, Golden Village Gold Class is happy to hear this. I think that it's three and a half hours long. It also costs around 200 million US dollars to make. Maybe hard pressed to break even despite its strong performance at the box office. The film is also not the number one film at the box office over the weekend. That honor still goes to Taylor Swift. Yeah. yeah, her Eras Tours concert is still grossing in the likes of, what, 31 million US dollars over the weekend. And that, by the way, is a big drop from its opening a week earlier. But she's still on track, uh, Taylor Swift, to challenge Michael Jackson for the highest grossing concert movie of all time. Did you watch that one? This is it. Well, I am still struggling with the idea of watching a, a concert <laughs> in a movie theater where nothing is live, it's on screen. I'm not sure I can get behind it. You're not a fan. That's why Maybe. we want to go back backstage with these people. Yeah, I want to see them you know, live in person, all the imperfections and then you know, your 
uh, in the mood of things where you've got people cheering, you've yeah. got you know, the live band on stage, maybe something will be thrown at you from stage, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, nothing like that live feel, for sure. All right, he's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you so much for joining us here on Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.